And I don't know how I'm going to introduce it. These pimples are really bothering me. Maybe you should turn your camera off so you don't have to look. Yeah. I mean, it's a pimple, honey. Let's. If this is the pace at which we're going to go because of your grooming or whatever you're doing. I mean, you're too close to the camera, maybe. Yeah. Pull back or put some I, makeup on. <laughs> pull back. Pull, pull back. That, pull back. Turn off your camera and honestly, yes. with, with friends like these. Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Hey, you two. Hi, everybody. Hello. How is how is the summer treating you? Vicious link. Wow. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Jay- Jason. Wait, no, no, I want to hear. No, it. no, that's not where we're starting, Jason. I'm sorry. One word. Do I need to come up with a graphic word like that? Um, uh, I am doing well, thank you. I oh feel, boy. I feel, See the difference. Um... <laughs> Jason, you're doing well. Let's talk more. <laughs> yeah, that sounds much more. I just want to start on a... You know what? We have so much heavy stuff to discuss. I just wanted to start positively, Trisha. <laughs> I mean, are, we assuming, are we assuming vicious is a bad thing? Well, that's what I, that's what sounds so juicy. Right. Like, you know, I know, uh, right? Like, new been topic bitten by a vampire. What's new, going on? She's been mauled by bears. New topic. <laughs> what does Trisha mean when she's been doing viciously? Viciously. <laughs> Tell us what is the summer's been treating you viciously. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I've been assaulted by the arts. By the okay, the arts. I feel like I'm, the arts is having like a, um, arts are having a renaissance in my in my um, oh, I know in my mean. world, you know. And I'm just like, yes. Well, I think it's because uh, stuff is open now. Yeah, is that what it is? Shows are open. You the feel world less is... conflicted about going to movie theaters. You know? Oh, I'm still conflicted about movie theaters. Less an example, conflicted. Like what arts less. are we talking about? A while ago, I went to a couple of shows on Broadway. It's not like four or five Broadway shows. I haven't seen, I haven't done that in a really long time. And I went to like a, um, an exhibit of Alexander McQueen's and I've just been really appreciating poetry more. Like, I don't know. I just feel like the arts is actually, they're speaking to me more than they have in the past. Well, they've always sustained me, but you know, I just, I don't know. I just but feel like a, they're moving way, moving in me. a vicious manner. I, right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> They're like, are you, they're like, are you wanting to just be, do you want to just escape into us? No, you will not escape into us. We will take you places whether you want to go there or not. I was like, oh, okay. It's very aggressive. Yeah, it's very wow. aggressive art, right? Like, yeah. isn't that a genre of art? Aggressive art? <laughs> Is there a genre of art? I find, I find performance art to be particularly aggressive. I think so. Especially like public performance art, which involves people. I find yeah. that to be aggressive. Yeah, but I don't I don't like that form of aggression. Nobody does. Is that the base of it? Do you think? I don't no, I mean, no. I don't know the don't history of performance so. art that well. But I mean, isn't it meant to kind of like break you out of your stupor a little bit? Yeah, it's yeah, it's meant provocative. to yes, provocative. Yeah, it's meant to change the way you experience daily life. That's what Oh, well, so see, it's very Sid Vicious, Vic- i.e. Vicious. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, now I'm just ripping. No, but that's good. That Sid Vicious comparison is good because that's what punk was about, right? 
the mm-hmm. whole punk movement, it was sort of like, you know, everything isn't polite and nice and sweet. Like it's can, can be nasty and dirty and gross. Maybe, and- maybe outrageous 2.0 is vicious. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you, do you think punk, punk obviously was racialized, right? It was white boys. Yeah. Was it Nazi adjacent or not quite? Oh, I think that depends on who you ask. I don't know. I don't know the history of this. Mm. It also depends on the artist, right? I yeah. feel like there are some artists that were anti-racist and then others that were oh yeah because it feels like it could it feels like it could hold that that's what i was thinking it feels like it's the kind of space where that could be a a a place in which you could actually have sort of like radical like anti-white supremacy-ness right like it could theoretically but i mean you can say the same thing about rap because like you look at the early days of rap and most of it was like hey we're having a party and some of it was like fuck the police so i think i think (laughs) the same thing with punk is that some people were just like you know, hey, let's spit in each other's mouths, and other people were like Heil Hitler. So, well, not everybody would assume. Not everyone would assume that about um, a country music. I mean, and that's kind of like a weird label, right? Like, uh, although now I feel like there's been a reclaiming of black people in country music. I've been noticing through some of my um, reading, but I think country you music was offered up as a kind of you know what's interesting though, is palliative thing. Country music, like I mentioned, now rap and like sort of like punk hardcore music mm-hmm. those get associated or can be associated with like political movements mm-hmm. or at least political leanings does country have that yes in this country for sure in the u.s absolutely country is like a shorthand for something for certain things mm, but the but the but the message of the music so the message talking, of the movement is the music is antithetical to actually what it represents right it's everyday like ordinary folk but yet, at the same time, the, the, it's very much embracing a kind of ideology that's antithetical to the actual things that they're talking about in their songs, which is really weird to me. But that, but that's my point. My point is, is that like, you know, you, you look at like, fuck the police, mm-hmm. right? Which, you know, everything you need to know is in the title. <laughs> I mean, that, that's sort of, that, that, is a, that is a point of view. But mm-hmm. country, I mean, things get associated with country music, the people who listen to and make it. But the message in the music is not, Usually it's like, it's oh, my husband's, yeah, my, my, yeah. my husband's cheating on me. I'm going to kill him. Uh, it, ooh, it's a lot like blues in that way, right? They're both very mm-hmm. quotidian. Storytelling. It's like every, storytelling, everyday challenges, heartbreak. Yeah. Then why does one not a have lot of calls such... to action? Not a lot of calls to action. I think it's different between like punk stuff, mm. like heavy metal or, or, um, or rap music. Rap music in the 90s and the early 2000s, some, or especially the late 90s, so much call to action. Right. Yeah. There was so many people telling their stories and that's describing a lot of know, commands, a lot like of commands, a lot of commands. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. And well, you I, know, what's interesting. Go make, make your point, though, Chris. No, no, no. Go ahead. You do. I'm, I'm good. Um, I was just thinking about it and I was like, it, it reminds me of. Um, I mean, that's a that's an interesting frame, right? Because one of them is like, this is all about you, the individual. Mm-hmm. And one of them is like, these are structural problems Mm -hmm. this is something this is something besides me being the problem right country music really centers it on just you and your little town and your little friends and that it doesn't ask any bigger questions of you in that way right like it doesn't um it doesn't push back on any kind of inequalities in any any way like why are you stuck in this one horse town you know what i mean like none of those questions get answered yeah. uh, or asked to be honest it seems but uh, let's be honest i'm not a huge country listener so Me i'm either. i'm going off of like a very we're, very we're small sample size right i'm just ripping <laughs> but no 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 shit. but i've been yeah. i've been reading some um but 
been some transgressive elements in country music. Maybe they've just been kind of like neutered and silent. I think a bit. I think there's some, especially with some of like the the female artists. I yep. think some of the things are very transgressive, very uh, oppositional to the patriarchy, and in the, yep. in its own way. Yep. Right. But again, not necessarily calls to action. Fair right? point. I'll I'll have to explore and think yeah. about it. It's just like you know, I my husband's cheating. I'm gonna fucking kill him or. <laughs> Which there's a lot. Well, of they that. do advocate a lot of violence. There's a lot of violence, <laughs> and I'm gonna burn his clothes. I'm gonna, you know, whatever. And I'm like, girl, he is just, car. Girl, just leave him. You know, get rid of mean? his cattle. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going. We're going to some dark places here. Stereotype. <laughs> Let's go. No, no, no. I mean, stereotype for country songs. Stereotype. For country songs. For country songs, though. Oh boy. Let's yeah. Let's to Jason's suggestion. Let's jump into some topics. To be just okay and not vicious. Thank yeah. You, Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love we it. We never got to what was making Jason okay, but it turns yeah, out, Jason. Jason Jason, it turns out that her being vicious was a far better tale. So sorry. (laughs) You being okay. Oh my gosh, that's so media mediated. Don't do that. Tell us about your Jason, are you okay? okay? Are you okay? (laughs) I think I said I'm doing well. And I I really I love that that for you. (laughs) Thank you. I do love that for you. I do love that for you. That's great. I love when you're doing well. All right, but I mean a summer of kids being at home. Yeah. yeah. He had a couple did you see, more weeks. Did you see his face change? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah. <laughs> I got a couple more weeks. School's not out yet. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's jump into some topics, uh, or at least one topic. So, you know, me and Trisha had a exchange yesterday, and we thought we would bring it to Jason and have a larger conversation. So as you know, in America, we have a mass shooting every couple of seconds. Uh, I'm, I'm exaggerating. I was exaggerating to make a point, but honestly, we're out, we're more than one a day at this point. And, you know, also with all the attention that abortion, abortion rights have uh, gotten lately with the Supreme Court link, et cetera. One thing that we were discussing offline was it seems that the will of the people is to move in one direction, but there are certain agents in government who are moving to block that. So when we talk about abortion, the majority of the country wants safe access to abortions. However, it seems the Supreme Court is seeing that differently and wants to move in a direction. Same thing with gun control, even after each terrible shooting. And even though the company is crying out for universal background checks, we never seem to be able to square that circle. So the question that I wanna throw out, and it's a pretty general question, I can't wait to see where we're gonna go, is what do we do as a citizenry who wants to move forward in our society and get things done, how do we, how do we speak to interact with change or modify the, the people and structures um, that are, that are holding things as status quo? So I know it's a huge question, but I don't want to lead it with what my opinion is. So Jason, I'm going to throw it to you first. My first answer is I don't know. Oh, I do come have... on. Come on. I need you to do that. I'm cutting it. I'm cutting just my out. first answer. This oh, is my okay. first answer. I agree with the premise. I think we're at a point where our democratic institutions, I mean, what you said is right. The will of the people is rarely being enacted. And I think I, I, I you know, I'm coming to terms with the fact that this is, we've talked about this before, but it seems more and more stark that the constitution our constitution has written, I mean, look, it's a document that 
I think was really created to allow um, property owning white males to keep more of their property and not let a king take any of it from them. And we know, of course, it's quite factual. The Constitution was not designed for a majority of the people to have their will represented in government. Mm -hmm. And while we've had lots of reforms that were intended to open the door to majoritarian rule, I think we just keep finding, I mean, we have cycles. I think there are times you could look and say, oh, that was more majoritarian. But, but at this point, it just seems really hard to see a path to anything other than a minority and in particular uh, white conservatives uh, ruling the country. And so, I mean, there are a couple of things that come to mind and none of these, I, I you know, you, you may laugh at me, they're, they're not terribly attainable, but one is we could very strategically redistribute ourselves. So like those of us who have certain political beliefs, we tend to concentrate in certain places like DC and New York and LA, just to oh. name a few. <laughs> if we would spread out a little bit more and not allow certain states to have, you know, senators and, and with certain views and outweighed Chris is so ready to interrupt me. All right, let me say one other thing. Another thing is we could very deliberately increase certain populations. Some of us could be having a lot more kids and like, you know, having a lot more voters and who have certain convictions and that kind of thing. I... Those are the two nonviolent ways I can think of. I think there are violent ways you could talk about, although that seems really dubious, whether that could be effective um, in terms of who has guns and which guns are likely to be used in which ways. So those are my initial thoughts. Not very encouraging. Uh, I just, I, I want you to go first, but I just want to go next. But I just want to point out, like the trying to have more babies is actually a strategy that one side is using by yeah. <laughs> they're trying to, enact laws to make sure that is exactly what happens. Uh, I don't know if that's a great long-term strategy. I thought for sure you're going to say rewrite the constitution, which is the drum you're always banging on this show. Well, we do need to do that, but I, I, but in order to get a new constitution ratified, you have a chicken and egg problem because we have a process in our constitution for creating a new constitution, but we will not enact it. But wait, I, can you, sorry, just before we go to Tricia, I'm not sure I understood what you're saying. What, what, what are you talking about, about more babies, which side? I mean, the banning of abortion, this idea that the right has about abortion is like, it's grounded in like the great replacement theory and other bullshit. Like, oh, we're going to be, we're going to be out, you know, we're going to be out birthed by Mexicans and people of color. So canceling abortion is seen as sort of like this, this strategy to make sure that more white babies are being born. Like that, that is. But that. I mean, but that doesn't have to be that way. Look, I am I am pro-choice, but if you're going to ban abortion, that leaves it open for every block to. It's not they're not just saying banning it for white people, you know. Like I don't listen. That, that should be neutral as to which see, populations now, can. When policy hits the reality road, that's true. But again, so much of this is perception. But I don't want to go down this road because I want okay. Trisha to react to the right, original yes. question. Trisha, the will of people is being violated. What do we do? What can we do? I mean, I think what we do is the thing that everyone has been telling us that we need to do, which is collective action, but not, not, not necessarily through voting. I mean, I think what we have to do is we have to use the levers that are at our disposal. You know, um, you know, I see, I remember when the NBA attempted collective action and it was 
immediately short-circuited by, um, I believe, a former president who had a conversation with them about a, an appropriate way to deal with what they were trying to do. Um, I think that's really fundamentally all we have going for us is our capacity to say no more and not participate, right? And not just, offer just up. Describe and define. So for me, that's for me. It's you know, for me, it's looking outside of the U.S. and seeing what people do, which is they have a work stoppage. They they um they protest. They 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 refuse to make the day business as usual. And I think I think that's actually pretty compelling in the United States, right? It, I mean, that's how you've moved, that's how we've historically moved the needle. I will make the point that I think to Jason's point is that um, I concur when Jason says we've always in some sense had minority rule. But I think what's been interesting and what I'm observing is that it's a shift in with what the minorities are now, right? Like who they are. Maybe before it was um, it was men who were rabidly um, um, not Christian, but maybe what we're moving towards is like a Christian theocracy of some sort, right? Like, so that is the shift, right? But I think, and so in some sense, the nation is functioning as, as it always has. And that what, if you've read like the people's history of the United States, we've always as a people had to push back, push, 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 thus amendments. <laughs> like Each of the amendments requires us to understand that even the very thing that Jason's talking about, our constitution is a document that has had to be retread over and over because we added amendments. So mm -hmm. I just, I think that that tells us a little bit of, it gives us a hint about who we actually are as a people and what, what actually moves the needle for us, right? I think, but I do think that we're also playing with a fantasy of who people believe the U.S. is versus how it always was. And I think that's what makes it harder for people to understand that we might actually have some power is because we are actually fighting the fantasy we have of ourselves versus the reality, which is why I think the campaign against accurate history is so useful, right? Because a useful picture of history tells you how things have moved. So, so... So you're you're advocating for collective action. Collective right? action. You said you said a lot there, but I don't I don't want to get too far. Sure. Collective action. All of us coming. Well, collect. deciding enough is enough. Deciding that enough is enough, and then having stoppages, which I think is fantastic. You know, I was downtown here in New York the other day, and I passed by Zuccotti Park where there was Occupy Wall Street was a huge deal. What year was that? Over 20 years now, right? No, 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 no. no I don't think it was no, over 2000. Wait, 2007? I got to see, or maybe I'm just looking too far into it time. It might be 2007, 2008. Oh, boy. Oh, we're going to have a lot confirmed about who's smart right now. What does Google and say? Who's old? Oh, and no, who... you know what? They said um, They said it started September 17, 2011. Oh, okay. So I was within plus or minus. So it was like, it was like 10, 11 years ago. 10, 11, okay, that makes That's sense. not even the point of my story. The point is, is that when I went downtown, I was like, wow, that movement was pretty wild. It brought a lot of attention briefly and mm -hmm. very ephemerally to banking and the issues of it. It was after the financial crisis, 2008, blah, blah, blah. Yep. I love that idea, collective action. And this is something that Trisha said in the conversation with us that we had yesterday, Jason, is that, you know, after the school shooting in Texas, the next day, parents woke up and sent their kids to school. Imagine if they didn't. Imagine parents woke up and said, actually, we're going down to City Hall and we are not leaving 
with our kids until something is done. Like we're not putting our kids back in that position. But somehow we all just kind of like line up and just keep waiting to get slaughtered, which to me is absolutely untenable. <clears throat> I love the collective action, but I'm just going to, because I am dramatic and I am the one that who I am, I want to suggest full on revolution. Listen. What does that look like though? I need you to explain what, that. Let me tell you what, what does that like. mean? First, it starts with what you're saying, right? But like my framing of this in my head is like, okay, I want to start off by saying, because whenever I have this conversation outside this podcast and people start bitching about government, I'm always like, okay, we have to decide what government is for, first of all, right? Let's decide what government's for and then we can move forward. I think in our country, we haven't decided, rat strike that, we do not agree what government is for. I do not think government is a universal evil. It's absolutely not. You get, you get a couple hundred people together, you're going to need a government. My problem is that there are individuals, the way that our government works and a history of individuals who have been slanting it to work for certain people in certain ways, we've reached like this apex point, right? Where we literally have people who are just destroying citizens, destroying citizens. Like after, after all these school shootings, Texas loosened gun control laws and mass yep. shootings went up. Like the way that I see it, there are elements in government, there are individual people. I just see them like vampires. You know, like all the old movies, like vampires, you'd storm the castle and drag them out and drive a stake through their heart because they're predators and they won't stop until we're dead. With that framing, I, we only have one option. We have to get rid of them. It's like the great defenestration in Europe, like hundreds of years ago. Those people, I want to say it was, I can't remember which country this was, but they stormed into the building. They grabbed all the politicians who weren't listening to them and threw them out windows. Well, that's, I'm not sure. <laughs> that was, that, but you know what? I mean, true. But, I mean, I'm not advocating violence. It's just that we need, I'm no, 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 what no, you're no. saying about collective action. And I'm just, yep. I'm just turning up the volume. Like this won't stop until we're dead. You know, well, Jason, you sent your kids to school. You send your kids to school every day and, and kids are getting shot up in schools. Like at which point do we say, you know what? Fuck this. Absolutely not. You have to change something, but that's that's where I'm at. So I, I, I want to start a revolution <laughs> and, and full stop, full stop. It sounds wild, but we've done that in that country. We've done that in this country twice. It's, it's possible that we could do it again. Well, I mean, I think the thing is the retreat. Like, I think there's a like, you know, you you phrased it to Jason, which is like, you're a parent. What are you going to do? And I think one of the things that I think has been really fascinating is the options that they that the American public is offered, which is I've seen a couple of people start um, tossing it around homeschooling, um, private schools that can then afford to do all manner of things. So I think part of what makes collective action so tricky in the US is that I think what we've done is translated. And I think Tressie um, McMillan Conlon makes that point in, in, in the New York Times is that we've actually crafted this thing around consumer citizenship, which is your, it's about how, where you spend your money. Right. And so instead of us sort of collectively deciding that there is a benefit to public goods, public mm -hmm. education, public schools. What people then say is I need to double down and pay and make more money so that I can pay my way out of this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm afraid that that's actually going to be the way that we're going to orient ourselves in this problem, which is why you have the rise of charter schools, right? Like the rise of charter schools was a reaction to a kind of failure on mm -hmm. some level 
of movement on the public education side. So I think that that that's my fear is that what you'll have is a kind of abandoning of the public space fully and a retreat behind enclosed on in, like in in into enclaves. Jason, um, how do you feel about um, armed revolution and retreat into enclaves? Think <laughs> <laughs> about everything we just said. Every time I think about it, I get I get caught up into in chicken and egg problems. One thing is like we have to get rid of the Senate. Like the Senate has become an obstacle. Like even stepping us back from the gun issue, which is a very important issue, but the, the our inability to do anything about that, like our inability to do many things, is largely because of the Senate. We got to get rid of the Senate now. I don't know. I mean, it could be there's a collective action approach to that, but I don't, I don't know what it is. I know what it is. It's storming the Capitol. It's throwing the senators out of the, out the window. Sorry. By the way, that's 15th century Prague, the great defenestration. They just, they went, they're like, nope. And they threw those motherfuckers right out a window. And, you know, I, I have to bring up, because I think this is relevant. It's, I don't want to ignore this. There was an insurrection on January 6th a couple of years ago, right? Um, or a year ago. <clears throat> and those were a bunch of people who figured the government wasn't reacting to them mm-hmm. the way they wanted to. And I think right. that is sort of like the dark cousin of what I'm talking about now. And yeah. I am aware the problem with a new revolution is that we don't share values. That's something we're always saying right. at the top of the show. We don't share right. values. So like the people in that insurrection, and again, we don't talk about how close those people were to being some version of successful that day, right? I don't, I don't know. This is the problem with the revolution is that I do not think that there's a groundswell one way or another. And it's interesting because like I wasn't alive in the 18th century or the 19th century when we had grand revolutions and civil um, issues in this country. I, but I, I, I'm wondering if that was the same thing like with independence, like, um, independence back in the 18th century, like maybe there was a considerable amount of people who didn't want independence and like the independence fighters won the day and, and they controlled the conversation. I don't know. I'm getting off topic. My point being is that like, I don't want to live in a country where we are taking turns assaulting the capital. Uh, so yeah. I guess I'm speaking against my own revolutionary fever that I had s- simply minutes ago. <laughs> I don't but- think you should <laughs> equalize, but I think part of what you're talking about though, and I think this is where you, the tricky thing is you've got to rec- you gotta, you've got to recognize the legitimacy of your cause. Right. I mean, and I think in some ways by, Who's you? Equal- I'm about to tell you, you, okay. you personally, personally, you, because you yeah, you personally, okay. because what you're doing is you're equalizing what what is a perception problem as opposed to a reality problem. The perception of the folks on January 6th was that their will was being subverted. That was their perception, even though what we were doing was actually voting. So what's, you know what I mean? So what they wanted is what they wanted was to subvert our vote was to actually subvert the process of democracy that the citizenry had agreed upon. Right. And so what they want is our votes to count less. Um, well, and, well and, that's and, that, yeah. that wasn't their perception, though. No, it, it is their perception because it's based on the big lie. Right. Jason. What my point is, is that they be, they believed quite wrongly, but they believed that the will of the people was that Donald Trump. Would be but forward. that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I'm making a really clear distinction. I'm saying that whether you believe something or not, 
it does you have to talk about what was the truth and the reality of that Boy, moment and confusing that so no, but it's not that slippery and i think don't not go down that us. road not no i us. know but don't go down that road don't give that don't give lie to that idea that there's a thing that is slippery about truth like there is, you know what I mean? But that's no, what's going on here because that's mm-hmm. what happened in that moment, right? This idea that we're equalizing people who are rapidly trying to prevent Americans from voting and having your vote count is as legitimate a position as the one that we're raising right yeah. now, which is that 80 to 90% of the people want a particular thing and it's not happening. In some sense, the folks who did January 6th are getting their position. They're, they're making minority rule happen yeah. by will or by crook. Yeah. And the will of the people are actually being subverted. So, and I think that that's been my problem is then the framing of these things. Like we create a media landscape in which those things are equalized yeah, and people yeah, yeah, feel yeah. like they're like, oh my gosh, I'm also on this side. I'm almost, no, like I'm not, I'm not offering this up because I think that there's about a one or one as right or wrong kind of thing. I'm saying that if you say that you're a democracy, we have defined a democracy in a certain way. And that means what we are talking about. Yeah. Which is we said one vote, one person. Yes, there's some issues with representational democracy, but I'm just Some. saying like, they're, they, you know, yes. But these people are trying to subvert exactly what we have going now, fully. And so that's the question you're, you're raising, Jason. I don't think you fully, I don't think you fully offered up, uh, uh, um, you know, a response to Chris about where we, how we move the needle here. I don't know. That's my fault. That's my response. You said that was Why your first don't response. You but I mean, uh, but I'm curious, why don't you know? What is it that is, what is it that makes it hard for you to find um, a, um, a place to land? Because any course of action that I play out my mind, I see getting stymied at some point. But you, in what way? Like, is it stymied well, because? Work stoppages, for instance. It's hard for me to imagine that being effective and that being sustained, given what appears to be most people's mindsets like including people who want the changes we're talking about uh i don't know i just people I what think about feel- the montgomery boycott like i mean what about his i mean what about how we've historically moved the needle in this country or in other countries i mean i think that's been i think i think that's really tricky for us as americans is like we think that we can do this by squaring the box there will be sacrifices mm-hmm Look, I, I, I think we should be using boycotts a lot more. Um, I, I, I want to say that. I think it, this sounds so paradoxical, but in some ways, social media has made it, I think, harder to organize things like that because it is so easy for people to lie yeah. and spread misinformation and disinformation. To Trisha's point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the quote I heard, which is so simple, but I never really thought about this way, is it is so much quicker to lie on social media than to disprove something like you can lie in a second. It takes no effort to then disprove it and convince people that it was wrong. That's takes forever and nearly impossible. But also the thing about like this happens on Reddit all the time. Someone will confidently say something completely incorrect and people will like it because it's sensational. And then the person goes, well, actually, if you look at this link, since people don't like that, it doesn't rise to the top. So the lie is very loud. And the truth is very quiet. And then people start linking and referencing the lie and then yada, 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 yada. 
but I say collective action because I think what I think is really powerful about collective action is not the social media aspect of it. It's the being in, in the company of other people. Sure. Which is yeah. where the lie doesn't extend, right? Like if I told you I went someplace and I saw, I mean, what that's what's so interesting to me because I remember, it's ironic, I think Chris will remember this, September, when September 11th happened, we saw the breakdown of news, right? In real because time. In real time, because you realize how much news was constructed, but when a real event happened that had to be situated in real time, materially in the world, not footage that you had previously that you set up and you're ready to go, news couldn't organize itself. And I think there's something about that. I think there's something about people being in the presence of other people, shortcutting some of these things that erode our belief and trust in something, right? Like, I'm not going to believe something if I went and experienced it myself, right? And then weird way, right? Like it's a little, I mean, it can be played with like, oh, I didn't see that side of it or whatever, but you're not going to be played with when you get together with other people. I mean, in some ways, isn't that what we're seeing with what's going on with um, unionizing Starbucks? Mm. Like they're taking the reality of their lived experiences of of Starbucks and finding areas of convergence with each other because they are living it and they're talking about it and they're exposing what's going on. You know what? This conversation has made things complicated, more complicated for me. I didn't expect that, you know, because like, well, I, understand, <laughs> I understand what, I understand what you're saying about like, don't equate lies with the truth, but I realize you have to, you have to combat that first before we can get to any revolutionary thinking. And I, what do you I'm, mean you have to combat it first? If we're going to raise a banner, right? To get people out into the streets to do things like we have to agree on what that thing is. And so if that's like the will of people is being subverted, but you know, the people who control the media and the social media are like, well, actually that's not true. You have to combat that first. If you're going to raise the banner. No, I think that's too big. See, this is a thing. See, I think we're already had it. We're, we're already, but I mean, this is probably why collective action is so tricky, right? We're already, we're already imagining failure which is which is part of the problem you can't imagine failure because what happens when people get together things happen things happen that you can't always call mm-hmm. so the first thing you said was parents simply refusing to take their kids to school that day like that like that's like that's what you know, i'm like, saying like what yeah, if like, all parents are like fuck this noise i'm not I'm, bringing my kids to a slaughter i'm just not sending them to school so unless you want to dispatch 1 million social workers to everyone's homes, right, to write them up for truancy, you're going to have to figure this out, right? And you got to make the school safer. I don't care. And then, and and then it's to be negotiated, right? But yeah. I mean, there has to be some kind of call to action, which is let us not, let us not return to business as usual. Let us yeah. stop doing that. That resonates with me. It seems to me that the best possible or let's say most likely path to an effective collective action event is organizing some community that has that is already organized to some extent or that already is in communication right because even what you're saying about parents like i'm thinking like i could see how that could happen among the parents at my kids school right sure i've got distribution lists i've got emails and phone numbers i talk to them about things so like i could get a message i'm like hey let's all do this And so I'm trying to think like, it seems to me like we're going to really do a strategy session. It's like, where are people already in communication? 
where they trust at least to some extent what they say to each other and that you could have a collective action. Yeah, I mean, I've, and it, you know what? And I'll be honest, I think it's the places they trash really easily. It's Chicago. It's, it's districts where people are constantly organizing to move the needle for resources mm-hmm. for their kids all the time. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened in LA County where people, where teachers were organizing to make sure that there were resources for their kids. You know, and, and what happens is when parents and teachers align it's much more powerful because people are always trying to get parent to, to break that line between those two groups, right? Like this mm-hmm. kid, they want to force you in the classroom without masks. And, you know, those are the kinds of things. But you know what, to be honest, in this moment, teachers are similarly in danger. They are aligned, but you're, you are aligned with the child, right? And mm-hmm. in many of these incidents, it's, it's the teacher's that are, that are coming to the rescue as opposed to the public safety officers, right? They're the ones that are sacrificing themselves. So I think that, I mean, you know, I've just, you know, I've been reading enough about sort of mass movements. It's people power is really magical in a weird way, but also hard. Yeah. And, but I think you can't decide what the outcome is ahead of time. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. I have to say, you know? for a control freak like me, that's very uncomfortable. No, it's I, very I uncomfortable. I'm it's, yeah, this it's is, very uncomfortable. This is a vibe because it's you're very like, uncomfortable. You, you can't plan. Of course, you cannot plan for failure. And if you're going to raise a banner, you have to have the full. You have to have your full conviction. Like this is right. This is you know. And if and if there's two opposing ideas, then they have to meet and battle. Whatever that battle looks like, it's. You know, whether it's in the court of public opinion, whether it's actual battle in the streets. I mean, this is it's but messy you know what's business. so interesting, though, what's so interesting. And I, I feel like I've it's really come across in this conversation to me. Like I can feel our tension with this, with, with the idea of collective action and the notion that there's an other side to this. Mm. You know, because in other countries where they said no, they just decided guns in school. Guns in our society, not a thing. You know what I mean? And I understand that it's an enduring part of the American ethos. And maybe that makes this battle that much harder. Mm-hmm. But there have been back and forth with guns, with gun control many times, right? Like we had it with Clinton in some ways. We've had it in the 70s. Like this is not, I think this is also one of those things that we have to be really careful about in terms of having accurate history, I think, which is that there isn't a through line to this. Yeah. There have been moments where people are are willing to subvert something that feels like yeah. it's sacrosanct, right? It's like, the same with abortion. It. It's the yeah. same with abortion. There have been movements forward and backward. Yeah, I think that's a some. I think that's something we have to remind ourselves of, because I think that complicates it and tells us that there are probably areas of convergence with people that we probably didn't think would happen. But I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I definitely don't want a market solution. But I, but I no. see it coming. No, backpacks that remember no, when they started selling no, backpacks wanna, that were going to prevent you for that. This. Do you remember weird when they were weird yeah. sheds in your classroom? Weird sheds in, in the classroom, one door in the in the. You know, I don't. I mean, because that's what we do. We do these kind of weird little actions around the thing. And unless we like double down on mm-hmm. what the thing is that we're fighting, which is we literally don't want 
access to guns or we literally want this. We, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think we can say the big picture thing that you said, Chris, which I think is true. Like the will of the people is being subverted. We have to take a particular moment about yeah. what that looks like, which is, I think, the journey that we're on. We're going to do that for abortion. We're going to do that for gun violence. We're going to do yeah. that for voting. Not problem. You know, we're going to do a bunch of them. Right. But I do think the singularity of the problem is the thing that you raised, which is across all these issues. It's that the will of the people is being subverted. I don't know, man. What, what do the Frenchies do when things don't go their way? <laughs> they stop they working just... immediately. They walk right the fuck out. We love right. work, though. It's part of our definition. It, so we're we will never give it up. <laughs> All right. So anyway. let's let's move on to media recommendations, which is something we've seen, heard, read, or experienced. We think other people should see, read, hear, or experience. Trisha, I'm afraid to throw it to you because I'm afraid you're going to recommend theater. Go for I it. hate when we recommend theater because it's like people listening, like, well, great, I don't live in New York. Thanks right. a lot, you <laughs> elite assholes. Jason. <laughs> I, I'm sure everyone has heard of Wordle, which I have started playing, but my son introduced me to Wordle, which is this, spell it. It's W-O-R-L-D-L-E or dot L-E. I think it's a French site, but here's what they do. They put up the outline of a map and you get six guesses to guess what country it that. is. And you put in a country and if it's not the right one, it will tell you what percent of the earth, like how far it is, how many kilometers and what direction it is from there. And we love it. I love it. We love it. I'm like addicted to it. Wordle? World. Dull. World. Dull. Oh, I love that. Interesting. I it's love great. maps. So that's. Man, there are countries I haven't heard of that I feel like such an idiot. Oh my God. I can't wait. I love maps. This is perfect for me. There are countries I'm like, that country shaped like that? I didn't realize that. I love it. Oh my God. I'm already on the website. Okay. Let me focus on this podcast. Trisha. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so I'm going to recommend something that is super accessible. Okay. I'm going to recommend, I'm going to recommend a poem. You know, in the frustration of the last couple of weeks, um, somebody shared a poem on my um, social media feed, and it is called I Must Become a Menace to My Enemies by June Jordan. And it just captured everything that I was feeling in the moment. And I'll just read the first couple lines so you get it. I will no longer lightly walk behind a one of you who fear me. Be afraid. I plan to give you reasons for your jumpy fits and facial tics. I will not politely, I will not walk politely on the pavement anymore. And this is dedicated in particular to those who hear my footsteps or the insubstantial rattling of my grocery cart, then turn around, see me and hurry away from this impression, impressive terror I must be. I plan to blossom bloody on an afternoon surrounded by my comrades singing terrible revenge in merciless accelerating rhythms. Like sh the poem just captured so much of my rage and just like gave me like such an affirming <laughs> vibe that I just was like, thank you, Art, for coming in and speaking for me when I couldn't speak for myself. So I absolutely, absolutely recommend reading that poem when you feel entirely like you just want to burn things down. It um, redirected my energy, but also cleared, you know, crystallized what I think is really matters, which is, you know, we press on kind of, but I love that. I vicious. love that poem. I love that. Right. No, I see the thread here. I see, see the thread. The thread? Right. The viciousness of the arts. I, I, arts have assaulted her. 
Poetry has been doing it for me. Poetry, I remember they tried to get us to do that in school and it just (laughs) never did it for me. And now at this lovely age of whatever plus, I now understand the value of it. (laughs) I'm not telling you. (laughs) What about you, Chris? I want to recommend a TV show, but I'm desperately looking at our notes. I don't know if I recommended this before. I want to recommend the Apple TV show Severance. Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, let's talk about it. So Severance is a show on Apple TV, which is a drama with quite a bit of comedy in it. But the idea is it's an alternate reality, right? It's a a world like ours, but just a little, their history is a little different. And in that world, you can go undergo a procedure called severance, where your work life is separated from your personal life. So you'll go to work, go into an elevator. And then once the elevator door closes, you something clicks in your brain. And so you never remember what happens at work and your work person has no ex- no idea what your personal life is like. It's like you're split into two different people. Love it. Well, so <laughs> the show <laughs> the show follows the exploits. Adam Scott stars, follows the exploits of a small, uh, uh, in this company, um, these four people who work together and just what shakes out of that situation. I don't want to say too much other than I binged it in a single day and nice. I, I cannot, I, I'm obsessed with it. And you know what's funny, Trisha, is that it brings up a lot of things that we're always talking about as far as like work and what does work mean? And you think that's where the show's going. It kind of goes someplace else different. Mm. Uh, it's, I cannot encourage you enough to watch it. And I know who the hell is Apple TV? I don't know. Think about getting it. Severance mm. is really great, but I just want to do, I just want to say one thing, which I hate when this happens in the shows. So Adam Scott ends up dating this black woman. This is not really a spoiler. It's not appropriate to the plot. It does, it does not intrinsic to the plot. He starts dating this black woman, brings her back home. So he wakes up in the middle of the night and the camera like pans over to her. And there's this black woman with her processed hair, just on the pillow, just sleeping sweetly, no uh-huh. bonnet, no <laughs> nothing. And I was like the fantasy of this her hair would break off. <laughs> she would be. And then later on, she gets up in the middle of the night, hair perfect. And I was like, oh my God, that's how you Silky know. Silky pillow. Silky no, pillows, at least. I, you, that's how you know no Black people were on the set that day. The actress herself must have been like, um, this isn't how we actually operate. But anyway, uh, that's off topic. But Can I just that. say that? So funny you say that. My sister-in-law was here and she showed me, she was all up in arms about some ad on the internet <laughs> it starts with a woman who's ostensibly cornrowing uh, someone else's hair. And she's like, you can't cornrow like that. It doesn't work like that. And I was like, but don't you think? I mean, they're both black women in that scene. Wouldn't one of them have said so? She's like, no, I don't care. I don't know. I don't happen on that set. But no, it is impossible to cornrow like that. Well, that's what I was thinking in this scene. I was like, I was like, how did the actress not say, um, just quick note. There's no possible way that I would go to sleep like this. Like no black woman <laughs> who had her hair processed is going to sleep like this. There's there's no universe in which that happens. But apparently, you know, they were. I'm sure she might have said something. But they're like, listen, you also don't go to sleep with a full face of makeup. So what do you want us to do? This is <laughs> <laughs> what do you want us to do? <laughs> uh, all right, so we live in a fake world where fake people tell us fake stories, and we just and laugh they're at fake us. black people apparently. I mean, they're doing fake hair pieces. And they well, were like, I have, no. I have to say, I know I have to do the outro. We got to go, but like, 
I'm just saying, like, yeah. growing up, I had to learn every single thing about white people's hair through their shampoo commercials. Sure, like, yeah. Put a bonnet on the goddamn actress. Yeah. Let Do them the know that we don't, Do yeah, we don't sleep like that. Do <laughs> the well, you know, it's true, right? Because if Do that's the, the way people are going to gain access to your world, hello? Hello? then you may as well just make it real. Like, <laughs> and on that note, everybody, oh, bye. 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 <laughs>